Uh, throughout the, uh, the Christmas story, there are five uh, sort of wonderful encounters where people uh, are sort of on their journey, uh, doing their thing, and, uh, and all of a sudden they have an encounter with God. Last week, uh, we spoke about uh, the encounter with, um, with Zechariah, this incredible time uh, going into the holy place and uh, meeting uh, the angel Gabriel and, and having all of that prophecy about John uh, being the forerunner of Christ and, and all of that. We, we went into that encounter. We're talking about what it's like for our lives when God interrupts us, when God encounters us on our journey and uh, wants to, to make a shift, wants to lead us in, in something a little different than we were expecting. And how do we deal with that? How do we handle it? And, and sort of the part of the backdrop of this is how do we be kind of a prophetic people? How do we be people who really have the expectation that God's going to speak to us and God's uh, going to lead us? And so uh, that's uh, what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Joseph's uh, story. Um, but first a word about the Canadian dream. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about the Canadian dream, but it's quite a lot like the American dream. Uh, in fact, it's almost identical to the American dream. Uh, but there's a, there's a wonderful article about this in May of 2004 by a guy named Michael uh, Babbitt. It was a mat- uh, an article in the Globe and Mail. And uh, he was actually uh, responding to... Uh, uh, an article uh, in the New York Times that sort of was lamenting the idea that the American dream has moved north. Uh, uh, sort of lamenting the idea that Canadians might have a better idea of the American dream. And anytime you say Canadian and better in the same sentence, we should all cheer. Um, but uh, uh, just sort of lamenting that that sort of dream has has moved north. His article uh, was was called It's Now the Canadian Dream. And the response article in the Globe and Mail was entitled uh, How the American Dream Became the Canadian Dream. And uh, what the article sort of does, the one in the Globe and Mail, uh, just sort of looks at some statistics and looks at some things about uh, where we're at in Canada, points out things that American workers work on average 4.6% uh, more hours than their Canadian counterparts, uh, that uh, the children are... Um, Canadian children are less likely to die in their childhood than Americans, so our, our child survival statistics are a little bit better. Canadians live longer, again, on average than the Americans. Uh, American women are twice as likely to die as a result of pregnancy or childbirth. And Canadians receive essentially free uh, health care while Americans pay part of their health care costs and after uh, tax situation. And so it's just sort of, it's really just an economics article where you're sort of saying, hey, this is the world, this is where it's at, it's better up north, they've got it, we don't, kind of a thing. And of course we all, once again, like Canadians, better we, we cheer. Um, do you, pardon me? We are awesome, eh? Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, you know, that, that idea of the American dream is sort of defined by this, the ideal that every citizen... Uh, should have an equal opportunity to achieve success and prosperity through hard work, uh, determination, and initiative, right? Isn't that sort of what we all kind of deeply believe about our lives? We work hard, uh, we uh, improve our lives a little bit, or we're going to finish a little better than we started. Um, in Canada, you know, that might be a little bit 
more individualistic, but our Americans are our, our closest cousins. Uh, we're pretty close in terms of those values. We believe that. It goes pretty deep in, in, in our psyche. It goes pretty deep into who we are. Like, that's, that's, who, that's who we are. And, and I'm saying that's not, a, that's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing to, to work hard and to achieve and to uh, have a plan for your lives and to want to accomplish that. I, uh, I spend a lot of time as a pastor just helping people plan their lives and sort of figure out what, is, what are sort of the next steps, what are the small steps on the long journey to get you out of debt, uh, out of whatever. We just do all kinds of, uh, all kinds of work uh, like that. Uh, I love a good life plan, but, and there's always a but, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> there's always a but, there's always something uh, coming. Sometimes God messes with your plan. Sometimes God messes with your plan. Uh, Joseph, uh, this uh, wonderful character we're going to talk about in the, uh, in the Bible story, I'm, he was probably like most people in his space, in, uh, in Israel, in his time, and he had probably a fairly predictable uh, life plan. If you were a man at that sort of uh, stage, in that sort of place, in the world, you had uh, a track that you were tr at least trying to run on. It didn't work out for everybody any more than it all works out for us. But, uh, you know, you would be born into a relatively healthy family. And one of the first things you would do is you would go to sort of a, a Hebrew school and you would begin to learn the Torah and you would begin to learn a trade. And when you were 13 years old or so, you would uh, sort of uh, achieve a, a sense of, yeah, I can, I can start to do this. I can start to... Uh, provide for my family and you start working uh, as an apprentice and and growing in your uh, in your competency and growing in your financial stability and the ultimate goal of course is that you get married uh, and that you have children and that you uh, become you know a full-fledged man uh, attending the synagogue regularly uh, you tithe at the synagogue you go to the temple and you do uh, your sacrifices when you need to, to ha give sacrifices, you follow the feasts, uh, you sort of follow that track when you get old and you're unable to work, you've had enough children and your chil children take care of you uh, in your age, and that, that's a good thing. And, uh, and I've already told Jack he's going to be changing my diapers. I got, uh, got that all, all worked out. Uh, and he's really excited about that. Uh, he's, he's, pre he's pretty thrilled. Um, and, uh, and, and you die a, a peaceful death. Doesn't that sound like just kind of a, a great life plan? That's, uh, that's Joseph's dream, right? That's Joseph's dream. That's probably what was the dream of every kind of young man in that time and, and space. And we have dreams like that. Don't you sort of think about your life and think about what you want to do and and you know it's really hard to sort of determine we we wrestle a lot more than they probably did in their time with what career path we're going to choose and and how we're going to achieve all that but ultimately we sort of have a goal we want to find employment and work hard or start a business and work hard and ultimately uh, achieve a, a modicum of success improve ourselves and live relatively safe and healthy and stable lives and that was Joseph's plan. And we're just going to read the text and uh, look what happened to Joseph's plan. And I just want to say this right, right at the outset. 
It was a good thing that happened to Joseph's plan. God's plan is going to be a better plan. That's where we're going with this. Matthew uh, chapter 1, verse 16 to 25. And I'm starting this in a bit of a unique place uh, for a reason, but we'll get to that in a minute. Normally you would start with what uh, I had Abby read this morning. Uh, but uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and just, uh, just read this. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. And what that is is just a tag-on of the end of the uh, genealogy of Jesus from Joseph's line. And we'll explain why, why I included that in a moment. This is how the birth of Jesus, uh, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to his son. And he gave him the name Jesus. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. This is the genealogy. This is uh, the incredible uh, sort of look across the years. Fourteen generations from Abraham to David. Fourteen generations from David to the exile in Babylon. And fourteen from the exile uh, to the Messiah. Just something to note about these uh, genealogies and also the one in Luke, the genealogy with uh, Mary in it. And with uh, and the ge Mary's genealogy is incredible who it has in it. It has uh, women, it has prostitutes, it has uh, an, an incredible spectrum of, of people at different places on their journey. But the beautiful thing about the genealogy and, and a genealogy in particular written uh, into Hebrew history is getting to be in it. And, and what place does Joseph, uh, the father of someone who everybody thinks is uh, an immoral woman, right? That's what everybody would have thought about Mary in their time and place, who isn't the biological father of his son Jesus doing in the genealogy? What's he doing in, in, a, in a genealogy? And, and what's amazing about this is that God includes us in his story. God includes unlikely characters in his story. And, and we touched on this last week. But as we become more and more a prophetic people, more and more people who are going to hear the voice of the Lord speaking to us and letting him direct us, uh, direct our steps. And in the case of Joseph, hearing from the Lord in, in dreams, uh, as I said last week, we tend to disqualify ourselves, and, and by every standard, Joseph would have disqualified himself from this. 
But here are Joseph and Mary, uh, not the central figures in this story, but God partners with them to raise this child. Jesus, right? God partners with them. And, and, and their place is, you know, they, they had to do Jesus' diaper, right? And their places they had to feed him. And their places uh, they had to, you know, sort of get frustrated with him when uh, he was at the temple talking with the, uh, the leaders and he, you know, wasn't hanging out with the family. You know, they, they parented the Messiah. And this, uh, this partnership with God, which from their perspective was just incredibly practical and incredibly uh, focused on seemingly mundane tasks, uh, this partnership... Uh, gets this incredible place of honor. And I just want to bring that to us as a first and important thought in the passage. The, the simple, the practical, the mundane things that you do every day become a hugely important part of God's story. A hugely important part of God's story. So just remember that next time you're changing your parents' diaper um, or your kid's diaper or anybody's <laughs> diaper. Right? Remember these very practical things are, are a part of an amazing, amazing story. An amazing story. Uh, being included in God's plan ramps up the level of blessing uh, exponentially. Right? So many things that we do that are uh, seemingly unimportant are really very, very important. Uh, the things that sometimes seem uh, unholy uh, can be, become holy and sacred things. Uh, the practical is hugely important. Uh, and we read on. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she came together. She was found to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. Now, you're Joseph, and Mary comes to you. You're betrothed, and says, "Hey, honey, guess what? I'm I'm pregnant, but God did it." Imagine what that's doing to your story and to your life plan. Remember that life plan that we talked about, sort of cherishing and nurturing all along? Can, can, now, now, that's a major curveball, right? Hey, honey, I'm pregnant, and it was God. First of all, there's what, is, what happens when our life plan is destabilized, right? It's disbelief. How many of you, when you have a plan and somebody messes with it, uh, find yourself angry? Anybody get a little cranky sometimes? How many of you feel fear when your life plan is messed up with, right? We feel a whole host of those things. What are some other things that you feel when, when your life plan gets messed up? I go, into, I go into problem solving mode. Like my engineering DNA kicks in and I'm like, I got to find out what the problem is and I got to fix it and I got to fix it right now, right? Anybody, anybody just flip into that mode? Yeah, Teresa flips into that mode. Yeah, all the engineers in the house are like, amen, brother. Um, you know, we got to fix it. We got we to gotta sort out the problem. And some of us, are, are, aren't you sometimes just overwhelmed? Like just, just emotionally overwhelmed? This change has hit you and you just don't know what to do. I remember uh, I was, uh, I, was uh, I, I can't remember, I think it was with, I can't remember it was whether, when Jack or, or Toby was born, but... Uh, when I found out one of those kids w was going to be born, that was, that was so exciting. I had a few days of, of tremendous excitement, and then I freaked out, right? And then I freaked out. I, I told you this story before, but 
it was, I think it was about a week or two into us knowing that we were pregnant with Jack. And, uh, and uh, I just like, we have to childproof the house. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's going to be like eight months until this baby is even born. And I took every bit of chemical in the house, every bit of lawn fertilizer. I took the salt for icing the driveway, and I threw it all out. I threw it all out of the garage. The child isn't even going to walk or be or crawl in the garage probably for three or four years. And I totally cleaned out the garage. Like, like we just freak out and do stuff when, when a curveball comes at us. We just freak out. And, and so just imagine Joseph's thought process here. Just imagine it. Uh, the, the thought here that's, that's important for us is that, and, and just a note, Joseph hasn't heard anything from God yet in the story. He hasn't heard anything from, from God. This is completely something happening to Mary, right? It's completely something happening to Mary. Somebody else's interaction with God and God's plan unfolding in their lives can seriously mess up your life, right? Could seriously mess with your life plan. God's plan and others can can have a huge impact on you. And that was the case with Joseph. But Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Uh, what it says in other translations is he was righteous. And so I think what, uh, what later writers did was they sort of said, took that word righteous and sort of added to it uh, righteous in a, in a legalistic uh, sort of way. But I think the more general word applies. He was sort of a, a righteous man. He was a good-hearted man. Uh, and he didn't want to expose her to public uh, disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. So Joseph uh, panics, probably. I don't know what that was like for him. He, he just went for a long walk. Uh, you know, maybe he, uh, I don't know what he did. Maybe he cleaned his garage, uh, cleaned the carpenter's shop or something like that. It's like, man, we, we, I can't leave these chisels lying around. We're going to put them on the top shelf. You know, I don't know what he did with that, but, but he, he sort of panicked, and he's like, okay, so the thing to do, uh, I, I like this woman. She's a nice woman. I'm a righteous man. I'm a good man. You know, if I don't divor divorce her quietly, that means I'm, I'm divorcing her loudly. And what happens to a woman who is knocked up in that culture for adultery and divorced loudly? What happens to her? She's stoned. Right? So he's like, we're going to protect her. We're going we're to nurture her. And, and, and what we see in that is that uh, righteousness trumps reputation. Sometimes being obedient to the calling and the plan of God uh, in other people and God's adjustment to your plan uh, is costly. In that case, even if Joseph had uh, divorced her quietly, there's still, I mean, this is a pretty interconnected society, right? His uh, family members, her family members would have all known and celebrated uh, them, them being together. This sort of, just sort of quietly shoving this thing under the rug would have really tainted his reputation for a long time. But his righteousness trumped his own need. His sense of who God was, his sense of character, who God was calling him to be, uh, trumped his own need. And he still hadn't really heard from God on this. It's still all Mary's plan impacting him. And we go on. And this is how God interacts with us. But after he considered this, and I like that word considered, I sort of had a look at that in the original 
language. And, and what that means is kind of a, a, the roots of it are in like in digestion. The roots of that word are sort of in he, he, as he ate this and chewed on it for a while. As it sat in his, in his tummy for a while and digested. That's sort of the roots of the, the word there in the Greek. Uh, as he, after he had considered this, after he had sort of made his plan, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And he says, oh, that helps. Right? Okay, now what she just told me and made me freak out, now I have to tell that to my friends. That's all I've got, right? That's all I've got. That's the story of our lives now. Uh, after he considered this, an angel uh, came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, don't be afraid. And I would have loved to have that unpacked a little bit more. I love how it's unpacked in Mary's story. I love how it's unpacked in Zachariah's story and numerous stories uh, throughout the scriptures. But it seems to be when the angel comes in your house, you hit the deck, you, uh, you put your face on the floor, and you pee your pants a little, and you just kind of freak out. You just kind of freak out. That was for the junior high. Uh, you, uh, you, you just kind of freak out, and the angel says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And so that's where the angel starts. And, and I just want to say that about you. And when God impacts your plan and when God speaks to you and when God adjusts your course, I think you can hear that almost as a routine thing from the Lord. Because when the Lord speaks to us and adjusts our plan, that panic sets in. You can almost immediately right after hear the Lord saying, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Uh, God will take our best plans and contingencies and make them better. When God speaks and when God adjusts your course, even though it might feel costly, it might feel like it's messing up with your plan, it might feel like it's messing up with your purpose for your life, it may feel like it's messing with the Canadian dream, uh, ultimately God's plan for you is better, isn't it? God's plan for you is better. And it says, so this, so she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And all of a sudden, I think the penny drops for Joseph at this point because I don't think he would have really figured it out. Uh, at this point, uh, we haven't really had a connection between the idea of the virgin birth, a virgin birth, and the Messiah. But all of a sudden, this idea that this part of God's plan is much, much bigger than him and much, much bigger than his family um, uh, is, kind of, is kind of baking his noodle a little bit here. He's, he's starting to figure out, he's saying, whoa, this is not about me. This is about a whole people. That our plans, our life plan, and this is the problem with the American dream and the Canadian dream is it's highly individualistic. But God's plan for you is not just God's plan for you, right? God's plan for you is a part of a bigger plan, and it's, of course, always better. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Uh, just, just a side note going back. Uh, how many of you do you find the Lord has spoken to you in dreams before? I just don't want to miss emphasizing this, that we should have an expectancy as Christian people that, uh, that God will speak to us in, in, in a variety of creative ways. 
Uh, some of us, how many of you have had something that you would call like a vision? How many of you have heard of, heard a voice and felt like you've heard the voice of the Lord speaking to you? Some of you have experienced dreams, right? And there, there are a myriad of other ways that the Lord speaks to us. And, and we should have an expectation that God will speak to us. Uh, just a th- and, and just a thought, too, from, from a few moments ago. I think a couple of times during the worship, worship time, someone said, or and during the announcements, oh, no, I'm getting emotional. Okay, as a pastor, oh, yeah, you're getting emotional. Right? Right? We should not be locking this down. Like, if God is speaking to you and impacting you and touching your heart, wear it on your sleeves. You know, Chris and I were, were joking. We could have, like, a Kleenex cannon at the back here. And we could just have somebody monitoring. Like, I was, we were talking about Kleenex dispensers. You know, you could have somebody just sort of monitoring. Cryer in aisle three. <laughs> <laughs> just launch the launch the Kleenex and, and, and get it to them over there. Like, like let it flow, people. You know, don't be afraid of, of your emotions. If God is speaking to you and God is connecting with you, you know, we should be we should let God release that. And this community is a safe community. Uh, people will just gather around you and and pray for you and and care for you if 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 they notice that God is touching you and will bless what God is doing in you and will ask you what God is doing in you and will want to share your story, will want to hear what you're saying. And, and whatever word God is speaking to you, we, we expect that in part it's for us as well and we're going we're gonna to cherish it, that this is a safe place to, to hear the Lord speaking and for it to touch your heart. So just a side note uh, on that. And back to the text. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means uh, God with us. And this is a connection with Isaiah, uh, chapter seven, uh, verses fourteen, uh, or verse fourteen. And this is the first time anywhere in Hebrew literature where we see uh, this connection with uh, the idea of Messiah. So this whole thing, and this is just a little piece of apologetics, uh, this whole thing uh, wasn't, you know, uh, created uh, as a story just pulled from some other place. This is a story that's sort of deeply embedded in the Hebrew story and and a place where God just takes and pulls on a thread from history and, and brings it into the present and says, ha, ha, you see what I've done here. And he takes his story and he weaves it uh, together uh, so beautifully. And this is what God does with us, is uh, God's plan sees our history story in a new and living way. That the story that you've experienced up to date and, and, and God speaking to you in the moment and adjusting your plan and destabilizing your life uh, very often has uh, threads that reach back into something he's spoken to you in the past or done in your life in the past. Uh, that one of the beautiful things about these moments of revelation, these moments of God speaking to us, is that he makes sense of our story. And that's just something to cherish and something to watch for. Uh, ve- and, and, and to be honest, when people share with me something that God has said to them, but they, they don't have any sort of sense of it making sense of their whole story, that's wh- I question those ones a little bit more. Because I really see God moving people uh, in, a, in a really sort of gentle and careful and, and wonderful way. Like he builds his story. He builds his story in us in a, in a beautiful way. 
Um, and so there, there's just something to cherish in that, that, that God will speak to us and, and tie our stories uh, together. And then just going on, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel commanded him. When God speaks to us, almost every time, uh, do you have, like I have, a moment of doubt that is very, very close to a moment of disobedience? Right? That moment of, actually, my experience of God speaking to me is more like, God said for me to do this crazy, radical thing, I'm going to find a reason why that can't possibly have been God telling me to do this radical, crazy thing. Right? Is that our, our, our doubts and our disobedience are often uh, more closely linked than we want to admit. But what Joseph did was when he heard the Lord speak, he obeyed. And I want to just show this to you in the rest of the... Uh, the Joseph story in Matthew chapter 2, verse 18. This is after Jesus is, is born and just after the wise men visit. It's the end of the story of the wise men. Uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph's second dream. Right? Joseph's second dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother during the night and left. Matthew uh, chapter 2, verse 19. After Herod had died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Third dream. And said, get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up. He took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. Uh, God will often speak to us in a way, and for you, you might be someone who hears from him in dreams. Some of you might hear uh, through the scripture. Some of you might hear uh, him speak to you in, in some of the different ways that we've talked about. But you're going to hear God uh, more consistently if you obey God consistently. Consistency in hearing the voice of the Lord uh, follows obedience in, in, in doing what he told you when he talked to you. He, he learns as much as we learn to trust him, uh, he increasingly trusts us. Right? To whom much is given, much will be expected. Uh, to whom a little is given, then more and more and more and more and more. And he builds his relationship of 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 trust and, and interaction with us based on, on his faithfulness and based on our faithfulness to obey uh, what he said. So here's the big uh, takeaway, and I, I just put the whole sermon into one sentence. We probably should have just done it so we didn't have to do the sermon. God does not have a wonderful plan for your life. He has a wonderful plan for the whole world, and you get to be a part of it. Your plan is a good plan, and my plan is a good plan. His plan is a better plan. That our plan, uh, the Canadian dream, uh, the American dream, Aaron's 
dream, uh, Mark's dream, uh, everybody's dream is a, is a pretty good dream, but God's dream is, a, is an amazing dream, and our dreams are not meant to be an individual track that we run on that's parallel with the rest of humanity. We can see it, but it is radically interconnected. Radically interconnected. And so often uh, when God speaks to us, it's uh, a part of his plan that's going to impact and have cascading impacts uh, in the world around us. And, uh, and so often it's so critical just for us to be people who see ourselves as maybe being a little bit smaller than we are. And I think Jesus might have said something about us. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That part of being God's uh, instrument, part of being somebody who hears the voice of the the Lord, and part of being someone who is a part of God's great plan uh, starts with that word part. We're a part of it. And uh, this incredible story of Joseph, like imagine what this was like for him. All of a sudden he's fleeing. He's looking after this, this child who's smarter than him. Uh, he's <laughs> fleeing to Egypt. He's coming back. The, the soldiers are chasing him. The whole deal, right? It's a crazy thing. It's, it's a seriously messed up plan, but isn't it a better plan? Isn't it full of blessing? And isn't it full of glory. And so that's, that's our project as people, to be simple, obedient listeners to the Holy Spirit, and all of the blessing of the Lord follows all of that. Incredible blessing. Incredible blessing follows it. And uh, we're going to talk about it in, in, in a couple of weeks, the story of the wise men, the gifts that they gave that funded their journey to Egypt. Surprise provision with surprise word from God. We're going to talk about that uh, as well. So let's just, uh, let's just stand up and pray together. Lord, we love your word. We love your word as it's written on the pages uh, of the Bible. Uh, But we love your living word as it's being uh, spoken into our lives. As you're uh, weaving our stories together. Uh, So many of us have these incredible stories of you uh, interrupting our journey and introducing us uh, to a new phase of your plan uh, for our lives. But we just, we just long for more of that. We long for more interaction. We long for this church and long for every person in it uh, to be a prophetic place. A place that is intimately connected to the word of God speaking to us and leading us. That we would be a God-led people. And so we... we accept that father we we want to receive that and so we humble ourselves before you we recognize that your knowledge is more complete than ours that your purpose is better than ours that your plan is better than ours and we open our ears to hear so often we're just so afraid that we might hear something from you God We want to be led relationally by you. We want to be led by the sound of your voice. 
We want to be led by your heart, speaking uh, to our hearts. Speak, Lord, to your servants. Would you use us in uh, the lives of our friends? Would you use us uh, to speak into the life of this church? Would you use us as prophetic voices to speak your kindness and your goodness and your generosity uh, to this whole region, Father? Would this be a place where the word of God dwells? Thank you for salvation. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for sending Emmanuel, God, with us. Thank you for this incredible relationship. We love you. We worship you. In Jesus.